This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Well, take your Bible once again and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Normally, during this time of the year, I I choose a little Christmas series and do something that kind of leads us up to Christmas. Uh, But the truth is, we're in Hebrews 11, and I just wanted to keep going. I I feel like God is using that, and uh, I really believe that every single week, God has something new and fresh in store for us. And I'm excited about the word that God has for us today. I just think it's right and timely and good for us. And so uh, we'll take some time to do Uh, the Advent and that prayer time, and then looking forward to all of our Christmas activities we have coming up, but looking forward to staying in Hebrews 11 with you this Christmas season. In my personal time with the Lord, I've been just reading the Gospels. I've been feeling the need to do that more and more recently, and so I've just been kind of consuming them over and over and over. One of the things I've been noticing recently is this contrast between the simplicity of the invitation of Jesus and the complexity of the response to that. What I mean is the simplicity of the invitation of Jesus. Jesus invites people with two words. Follow me. It's about as simple as you can get. Follow me. But the complexity of that decision, like, like for those who heard the call of Jesus to follow him, it meant literally, like, not like some figure of speech, literally come and follow me. And that does have some complexities, doesn't it? As we begin to think about, well, what about our family? And, and what about our businesses? And what about our dreams and ambitions in life and all the plans that we had? And Jesus says, well, just follow me. And there is this contrast between the simplicity of what Jesus asked. And I think sometimes as a church, we, we tend to not think about the complexities. That Man, that's a lot. Like There's a lot going on there in that invitation to follow him. And the amazing thing is people do it. Like... Think about Matthew. I mean, he's a criminal and uh, he's hated by his own people because he's betrayed his people, but he's making a good living. He's got a nice office and he's got a lot of money coming in and here he is one day sitting in his office and Jesus walks by and Jesus just looks at him and says, follow me. Well, that's simple. But think about what was at stake for Matthew in that moment. Like leaving father and mother, leaving the business, like, Literally at that moment, walking away from the business and beginning to follow Jesus. So someone comes by the next day to give their taxes of which Matthew got a little extra off the top. Well, he's leaving that. And the security of that and all that offers to him, and yet he does it. He hears two words and he just leaves everything and follows Jesus. So why do people do that? (laughs) Why would Matthew do that? Why would we do that? Well, the answer is faith. That's what faith is. Faith believes that what we gain is better than what we lose. That's what faith believes. So Matthew believed at that moment that he was going to lose something. Because if we choose to follow Christ, listen, we're going to lose something. We do lose the security of our old identity. We lose the security of our dreams and ambitions and all of our plans because we have to surrender all of those things to the Lord. And so we take everything in our lives and we literally surrender it to the Lord. 
We say, Lord, here is everything. And, and in the midst of that, we lose something always. But faith believes that what we gain is better than what we lose. And so a person will willingly surrender everything to Christ and accept the invitation to follow him because that's what faith does. Faith says, I see the cost, but I see the reward. And the eye of faith allows us to do that. What I mean is that faith allows us to see things and believe things that those who don't have faith can't see and believe. And one of the costs sometimes is people just thinking we're crazy because they can't see it, but we see it because God has given us eyes to see. And by faith, we see something no one else sees. And he says, yes, we're losing this, but we're gaining this. Faith always makes decisions. Faith always is a choice. And it begins with that first moment, Matthew's first moment where he accepts the invitation, come and follow me. And he does it because he believes that what Jesus has is better. But sometimes we often fail to realize that the life of faith is a life of decisions just like that one. We choose every day whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. We choose every day to trust Jesus because faith, listen, faith is choosing Jesus daily. Faith is choosing Jesus daily. And what Hebrews 11 exists to do for us is to teach us what Hebrews 10 tells us we should be doing, and that is how to live by faith. And so God's vision for our lives, and we keep talking about this, but it's so important. God's vision is to invite us into this real relationship with God. God's not just concerned with us coming to him and obeying all the rules and being a part of the system and coming on Sunday mornings and maybe if we're really committed on Wednesday nights and doing all the extra stuff and maybe if we're really on top of it, serving in the church, that's fine. And God wants those things, but God's ultimate thought is not, I need to get you to do a bunch of stuff. God's ultimate invitation is this, I want you. <laughs> I love you. I created you, I know what's good for you, and I'm inviting you into life with me by which you will come to discover that everything your heart has ever longed for is found in me. And so what, what, what the book of Hebrews wants us to have, what I want you to have, what the Lord wants you to have is this real active daily relationship with Jesus, which means it's a life of faith. Like we're just walking with Jesus day by day and we're hearing from him and we're receiving and we're responding. And listen, that kind of life demands constant choice. Choosing every day, Jesus. Why? Because we believe he's better than anything else the world has to offer. And I don't know of any example of that better than the one we have today in the life of Moses. And his story is given to us in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 29. If you're there, say amen. Listen to these words. Starting verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now, verse 30 goes on to to Joshua and Rahab. We'll look at that next week. But all of these verses focus on the life of Moses. And there are two words I want you to notice. So every week I'm looking at these texts and I'm saying, okay, what does this teach us distinct about faith from the other stories? So we just looked at some other stories, but, but what does this have distinct for us? And the distinction here is found in two words. The first one is in verse 25 when it says choosing, choosing. Choosing rather to be mistreated, meaning that Moses made a choice. Like Moses had an option. He could have done this or he could have done this and he chose this. And he chose it by faith. It was a faith decision. The next word is in verse 26 where it says this, he considered. He considered. It's also like the word choosing, but it's different because considered means that you've thought about something carefully. This is really an important word when we think about how to discern the will of God. I think what we generally want when we're looking for the will of God is we want some just very clear, quick sign from heaven that just tells us what to do. The problem is God doesn't normally work that way in our lives. He usually works by the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of the word of God. And so life demands consideration. Life demands considering. Life demands us looking at two options and going, okay, here's the good and bad and the good and bad and weighing those things out. Life really is like that. And walking with God demands some of that. So if you're thinking that the life of faith is this mindless following of Jesus, that's not the reality. The life of faith is knowing Jesus and seeking the Lord and knowing his word and being able to make good decisions because we consider things rightly and thoughtfully. And so the reason that word's important for Moses is because this was not some haphazard, just, okay, I'll just do that. Moses actually came to a point in his life in which he said, all right, I got to think about this. I don't know what to do. And by faith, he makes the right decision. I was talking to someone after the first service and they were saying, you know, I hadn't thought about this, but there is something about life that's just about making a bunch of good decisions. Like, that's true. That's true. Like life is really about making good decisions. But listen, it's not just making pragmatic decisions, it's making faith decisions. It's saying, here's a choice I can make every moment. I'm gonna choose faith. I'm going to choose to believe in this moment that what I gain by choosing faith is better than what I lose. This is going to cost me something, but I'm choosing Jesus. And Moses is our example of the kind of choices that faith demands. As I read through this text, I saw three choices that faith demands in the life of Moses. And they're all choices that are demanded for all of us today as we walk by faith as well. Three choices that faith demands demands. The first one is this, write this down. Faith chooses the word of God over political pressures. Faith chooses the word of God over political pressures. So it really doesn't begin with the faith of Moses in this story. It begins with the faith of his parents. It's interesting because it says by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. But it's really not talking about Moses' faith, it's talking about the faith of his parents. Now, I know you're probably familiar with the story, but 
we end the book of Genesis with this beautiful picture of God really providentially rescuing his people from a famine and bringing them through Joseph to Egypt. So they were dying of starvation, but Joseph had been sold by his brothers and sent to Egypt and God had raised him up in that household. He was now a prominent man in the king's household and he got his family and rescued them and they were given any land they wanted. And so we end Genesis with just this little, really peaceful, beautiful picture of God protecting his people. And then you turn the next page to Exodus 1 and there's a new king in town. And so the old Pharaoh who loved Joseph and loved the people was gone and there was a new Pharaoh and he didn't feel the same way about the people of God, the Hebrew people. He was concerned because they were growing rapidly. They were just having a lot of kids. And for a while it was just, you know, there's this little group of people over here, but now they were taking more and more space and more and more space and he didn't like them. And so he decided to make them slaves. It's like, yeah, you can leave, live here, but we're gonna use you. And so they enforced slavery into all the people of God. And so immediately in Exodus is a very dark picture of the life of the people of God and the way in which they're treated. Then they continue to grow rapidly. And so the king makes an edict. Two, actually, the first one is this. He takes the midwives from Egypt. They're the ladies who helped the Hebrew women give birth. And the king said this. The king said, if you help one of these Hebrew women give birth and it's a boy, you have to kill it. It's an edict from the king. Kill every boy that's born. Well, it tells us the midwives refused to do it. And then they lied about it. The king asked him, say, what's going on? They said, well, they give birth so fast. Like they're just, I've never seen anything like it. There's nothing we can do. They're just born and we don't have a chance to do anything. Now, I remember when I started seminary, I took a Christian ethics class. And uh, one of the first things we looked at is Exodus 1 in this story. Because what you have is you have a king making an edict and these midwives not obeying the king's edict, instead obeying the word of God and then lying about it. And then it says the Lord blessed the midwives for what they did. So the question is, is it right sometimes in these situations to lie about these things and to be deceitful and to disobey the king's edict? And that's a question we answer. All I know is this, it says that the Lord blessed the midwives. Okay, so do with that whatever you will. So it says very clearly, the Lord blessed the midwives. He gave them children. So I don't know, like, I don't know. I think I passed that class, but I just, I'm just telling you, the Lord blessed them. But it says in the midst of all of that, that wasn't working. So the king made another edict. He said this, if a boy, a Hebrew boy is born, you got to throw him in the Nile. That's in Exodus 1. You just throw him in the Nile. Like immediately, they just, you just throw him in. So this was the pressure that Moses' parents were living under. But it says that when Moses was born, his parents saw that he was a beautiful child. I don't know if like his siblings, his babies were not beautiful. Like there's ugly kids and then this one was pretty. I don't know. I just find it interesting that it mentions this is a beautiful child. Like as opposed to all the ugly little kids that are born. I don't know. But it says his mom saw him and saw this is a beautiful child. I cannot throw this one. Other, I can't throw this one in the Nile. Too good looking. So... Hides, hides Moses for three months, then realizes she can't hide him any longer, sticks him in a basket and puts him in the Nile in, in the reeds. And what it says is this, it says by faith, they saw the child was beautiful and listen to this, they were not afraid of the king's edict because there were serious consequences to this. Like if, they, if it had found out that they kept this baby, there were going to be consequences. It could cost them their lives but what faith decided to do is this. Faith decided to elevate God and his word above the political pressures. 
and say, no matter what the king tells us to do, we are going to choose not to be afraid of the consequences of the king, but instead live by faith and do what is right. And God blessed him. And this is what faith does. Faith sees the reality of political pressures and social pressures. And it sees that going against those things could have a cost, could have a serious cost. It could cost you everything. But faith says, I would rather stand on the word of God and die than deny the word of God and give in to political pressures. And what's so interesting about this moment, and, and there's, there's another sermon in here. I'm not going to give it this morning, but... There's something here about the faith of Moses' parents and how with Moses never even knowing this, he had the same kind of faith. God used this exact situation really as a foreshadowing of the rest of Moses' life. Because what his parents could have never known is that Moses was going to be put in the exact same type of position. Look what it says in verse 20. Um, Four and following as it goes, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he chose to be mistreated with the people of God. In verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, here it is again, not being afraid of the anger of the king. And so he too faced a decision. He too faced the consequences of doing what God told him to do, standing on the word of God, believing that that was the right thing to do, but in so doing, going directly against the edicts of the king. And so it says that by faith, he, he chose the right thing. He chose the word of God. His faith was greater than his fear. And you see it really the rest of his journey all the way until they cross uh, the Red Sea. It was by faith that, that Moses decided based upon the word of God uh, to sacrifice that Passover lamb and put the blood there and believe that God was gonna save them and he did. And it was by faith that they stood at the edge of the Red Sea and put their foot into the water and believed that it was gonna be parting, parted while the king and all of his army came up after them. And every step of the way, listen, it was another choice of faith. It wasn't just one choice. I made that choice, I'm done. No, every step of their journey was a moment in which they had to make a decision. Are they gonna believe the word of God or give into political pressures? And every single time it tells us they were not afraid of the king's edict and what the king could do to them. Instead, they chose the word of God. And really all of his early story is about the king and his edicts and his threat and his anger versus the word of God. And the reason we're talking about Moses this morning is because he chose the word of God. Now, in every generation, to some degree, this is a choice we have to make. To one degree or another. And the reason is, is because cultures like ours don't love God and don't love God's word. We are very much increasingly so living in the judges generation where there is no fear of God in their eyes. Our government, uh, culture around us has no fear of God. They don't care about the word of God. They're not concerned with obeying the word of God and the decisions they're making are against the word of God and consistently putting Christians in difficult positions. And the reality is we don't live in a place that has a king, but you do live in a place that increasingly loves to make edicts. And the courts right now are filled with all kinds of cases of religious liberty in which people are having to make a very real choice to stand on the word of God and maybe lose everything or to just give in to political pressures. And the easier thing is always to give in to political pressures. But there are some, there are a few who are deciding no matter what the cost, I'm going to stand on the word of God. And that's a decision that the people of God have to make in every generation. 
And we will, in our generation, to certain degrees, have these decisions to make. But let's not forget about the 340 million Christians around the world who live every day under the threat of being killed because they're following Jesus Christ. And every day they wake up and have to choose faith. Every day they choose faith and the word of God over political pressures. They're literally saying every day, I'm willing to die for the word of God and my belief in Jesus Christ and have no concern whether the political pressures or not. If I die, I die. You say, why do they do that? Why would we do that? Why would we willingly stand up against political pressures and edicts that are being made and stand on the word of God? Because we believe that no matter what it costs us, what we get is better. That's always the faith decision. Faith says, I would rather suffer than deny the Lord. If you've been to our, our little um, open house membership class, I always share this little passage. It's Philippians 1, 27 through 30. It is, I believe, the best picture of a local church that I've ever found in the New Testament. And it is Paul saying, I don't know whether I'm gonna see you again or not. But if I don't see you again, here's what I wanna hear about you. Three things. I wanna hear that you're striving together for the faith of the gospel. I wanna hear that you're standing firm in one faith. And I wanna hear that you're suffering together for the cause of Christ. Striving, standing, and suffering. That's what a church does together. Striving is this offensive, like we're, we're, we're on the offense, we're expanding the gospel, we're leading people to Christ. But standing is an interesting word. It's, it's a military word, which basically means I've been given a post, I've been given something to guard, and no matter what happens, whether I lose my life, lose my life in the process, I am not gonna move from this place. I'm gonna be immovable. I'm gonna stand right here. And what he says is this, I wanna hear that you as a church are standing firm in one faith. You are immovable because your confidence in the word of God is so strong that no matter what pressure comes against you, you are not going to move. Church, that is exactly the picture that we have of Moses and exactly the picture that we need for our church today. We're gonna stand here. And what we believe is gonna increasingly seem foolish to the world around us, but we will stand and not give in to political pressure. That's the choice that faith makes. There's another choice that faith makes. You see it in the life of Moses. Faith not only chooses the word of God over political pressure, faith chooses the good of others over personal pleasure. Faith chooses the good of others over personal pleasure. We see that in verses 24 and 25. So it says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, you remember the story. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter had gone to the river and she hears crying and she looks and here's a little basket with a baby in it. And I'm not, I don't want to make light. I don't want this to sound like I'm making light of the value of the baby. I'm just, as a dad, here's what I think about this is the moment in which you have told your children over and over, you're not getting a dog. And your kids show you a picture of a dog and you realize right then you're getting a dog. Like you just know you're getting it. This happened to me last week. He's not here, so I'm gonna tell this story. Ryan Wingo came to me after church, you know, our worship pastor. And he had a picture of a dog and he said, we're thinking about getting this. And I said to him, if you've already shown your kid the picture, you're not thinking about getting this dog. And you know what? Two days later, he got the dog. It's coming home with him from Alabama today. I just wish that dog would have come back with an Alabama loss, but that's okay. That's, so it's coming. So here, here's the deal. Here, here's, here's Pharaoh, right? Here's Pharaoh 
That was a little tangent. Sorry about that. Let's get back on. Everybody back, focused. All right. So here's the deal. Here's Pharaoh saying over and over, okay? Every Hebrew boy has got to be killed. Kill them all. I don't want any of them. Throw them in the Nile. Kill them when they come out of the womb. And then all of a sudden, his daughter comes home with one. Dad, I want this one's beautiful. I want this one so bad. And dad says, okay. So next thing you know, Moses, who should have been killed, was saved because his parents lived by faith. And God still ordained it that Moses now ended up being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, raised in Pharaoh's home with all of the privilege and all of the prestige and everything that comes along with being the son of a king. And so with all of these things and these pleasures and the prominence, the wealth, the safety that was his, he was gonna have a choice to make because he knew that he was a Hebrew and he knew he didn't belong there. And so here he is, imagine this, here he is in the king's home watching as his own people are being tortured and suffering constantly being treated as slaves. Imagine what he's feeling in that moment. He knows those are his people. And listen, if you're a child of God and you see something like that, what happens is you start to feel that justice of God, that holy and righteous indignation, just that justice that you want to see something right. You want to take a wrong and make it right. He was thinking about his people. Now, if I was Moses, here's, here's what I would have been thinking. I would have remembered Joseph. Remember Joseph? He, was, he knew about Joseph. Okay, Joseph sold by his brothers into slavery, got into Pharaoh's house, but God used him in Pharaoh's house to help the people, like from a distance, right? So I'm gonna stay in Pharaoh's house, enjoy all of this stuff and help the people. If I'm Moses, that's the route I wanna go. Stay in the house, enjoy everything, still help the people, okay? But then the burning bush, in which God said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I, I see my people suffering and I wanna save them. And here's the deal, you're gonna do it. To which he argues for a couple of chapters because he says, I can't speak and I don't have the gifts. And the Lord says, well, exactly. That's why I'm using you. And so the choice he had to make is this, leave all of this, everything. We can't even imagine all of the pleasures, the personal pleasures that were his for his entire life. And the choice he had to make to leave that and then to be mistreated with the people of God. Because look at what it says. It says in verse 24, when he was grown up, what did he do? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, what choice did he make? Rather to be mistreated with the people of God. So he knew that if he were to leave the king's house and go with the people of God, he would be treated like the people of God. He knew he was choosing to be mistreated. He was saying no to all of the personal pleasures and saying yes to the good of others. And he did it because God wanted to use him to rescue those people out of slavery. That's the decision he needed to make. And the reason he made that decision is because his eye of faith allowed him to see something that others didn't see. What was it? The fleeting pleasures of sin. Do you see that? He chose to be mistreated rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, I wanna be honest I can't stand when um, churches aren't honest about stuff. It says, enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I just want to be honest. Sin is enjoyable. Like we just need to talk about that. Sin is enjoyable. I'm not going to tell you sin's not enjoyable. It's enjoyable. And so all of the pleasures, the personal pleasures, that would have been really enjoyable. But here's what he saw with the eye of faith. They were fleeting. They were fleeting. They would have been enjoyed for a minute, but they would not have lasted. 
And so he could have chosen this and enjoyed that, and it would have been enjoyable, but it would have left him empty, and for all of eternity, he would have had nothing. So he would have kind of made the most of these few minutes and enjoyed it, but for all of eternity, he would have nothing less. And so God gave him the eyes of faith to be able to see that sin, although enjoyable, is always fleeting. And so he left and made that choice to leave the king's house to go be with those who were enslaved. Now listen, One of the things the Old Testament characters do for us, all of them, really, the patriarchs, is they foreshadow to us something about the coming of the Messiah. Do you see anything about Jesus in Moses leaving the king's house to go help enslaved people? (laughs) Is that Christmas? (laughs) Like, is that that Christmas? Christmas is, is Jesus all of the pleasures of the king's house and everything that was offered to him, leaving all of that, why? To go be mistreated with the people of God, why? Because he chose the good of others over anything else he could have had. And this is what Christians do because we are a a faith that is centered upon Jesus. We're centered upon Jesus, but we are focused upon people. We are very much a people-focused ministry. We are always thinking about people. The call of God in our lives is always about people, to love people and serve people and help people, and that is always inconvenient. And that always goes against any of the personal pleasures. And so anytime we help people, even if it's for a moment, we're going to have to leave this, which we're enjoying, and go over and help someone. Because it always costs us something. But here's what faith says. Faith says, God has called me to himself. Why? Because Christ has come and saved me from slavery. And so now, for the belief that following Christ is better, I will sacrifice something myself for the good of others. Like, isn't this why we do missions? Don't we do missions because we sacrifice personal pleasures for the good of others? I mean, I was thinking this morning that in some way, the missions offering that we're doing right now, our goal is $500,000 is a good example of this. But then I thought it's kind of a sad American example of this. What I mean is this, is that we're asking you to give and we believe that if every one of us gives something, we can meet this goal. It's an ambitious goal, but we can, but here's the thing. The vast majority of you and me can give significantly to that and still have a normal Christmas. (laughs) Like, it's not like we're saying, okay, we're gonna deny ourselves all of these pleasures and instead give that to the missions offering. Some of you might, but most of us can do both. And yet it's still a choice of faith. It's still saying, listen, I am gonna sacrifice something for something that is for the good of others. And this is why the Lord says to David, don't bring a gift that doesn't cost you something because what we're doing is we're making a faith decision. We're trading something here for something we believe is better. So we say no to fleeting pleasures in order to receive something that's better. This is why Jim Elliot, who was killed by the tribal group in Ecuador that he went to reach said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to get that which he cannot lose. And so yes, sin is enjoyable and there's pleasure there, but you can't keep that stuff. But I'll tell you what you can never lose. You can never lose the things that you've done by the power of the Holy Spirit for the good of others and the kingdom of God. So faith makes that choice every day. But there's the last choice that faith makes 
not only the word of God over political pressures and the good of others over personal pleasures, but faith chooses, here's the last one, the call of Christ over worldly treasures. The call of Christ over worldly treasures, that's in verse 26. So it talked about the pleasures in verse 25 and 26 talks about the treasures. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. Now, by considered, it means this. He actually, he thought about this. And this is what I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm asking you to think about this, okay? I'm asking you to think of the promise of the treasures and the pleasures and all of that and to make a consideration on what's worth more. What's greater wealth? Because what he said is this, when he looked at all of the treasures that could be his, he thought it was a greater wealth, a more valuable wealth to choose this. When he received the call of God in his life, he chose the call of God as opposed to worldly treasures. And it's an amazing thought. So on one hand, every treasure of Egypt, literally everything the world has to offer. On the other hand, the reproach of Christ. You say, what? How could Moses choose the reproach of Christ? It was thousands of years before Jesus came. Well, here's why, because he's foreshadowing Jesus. What he means is this, is that Moses made the choice that Jesus made, which is this. I am going to willingly endure reproach, suffering, pain, because the call of God upon my life. It really is foreshadowing Hebrews 12, 2, which says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. That's the reproach, the cross, the shame. And he is seated at the right hand of God. He did it because he believed that the reproach that he was gonna experience, the pain and suffering was better than any other thing he could have. And so like Jesus, he chose the call of God. And this is what we do in 1 Peter 4, 13. We choose to suffer with Christ. What does it mean with Christ? Well, we embrace the life of Christ when we choose him and his word and his call over worldly treasures. And it's just a, it's a faith decision. Now, I want you to notice something very carefully. Look at this. It says this. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For, this is very important, he was looking to the reward. So listen, faith chooses the long-term benefit. <laughs> faith looks at a short-term joy, enjoyment, and says, you know what, I could have that. But if I would say no to that, I could have something that has more value and lasts. Jesus for the joy set before him. So even Jesus looked on the other side of the suffering and knew that there was joy there. This is the decision faith always makes. Faith believes that there's something better on the other side of those decisions that we make. And some of us will give our lives for an unreached people. I had a college student in the first service last week come up to me and say, I'm visiting this morning, but I've been compelled as you've talked about the Naba people this morning. I wanna do something like that. I got his information. I sent it to Adam afterwards. He said, I want to do that. Like, I, I want to be a part of something like that. And God will call some of us to do that. And some of you will do that because you'll look at a greater reward. Some of you will choose to give sacrificially. Some of you will share the gospel and you'll stand for Christ. And, and you'll do something that may cost you something. Why? Because you want the reward. You literally believe that God has something better for those who walk by faith. 
Let me say this. I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but listen carefully. There is something selfish about faith. That's, that's okay. Meaning, faith always says, I don't want this. It's not going to last very long. I want this because it's better. Someone, I heard someone say, I don't, I don't know where I got it. I heard someone say one time that sin is self-destruction. What sin does is sin is choosing to bring harm upon yourself because it never satisfies. It always robs you of everything good in life. It makes an absolute mess of everything. You've heard me say this before. Sin complicates everything. And so it's self-destruction. Is it enjoyable? Yes, but it destroys you. And so faith says this, I see with the eye of faith that this is a fleeting pleasure. And instead, I want, to, I want the better thing. I want the joy. I want the peace. I want the lasting reward. And so faith says, I'm going to make a smarter decision. Faith considers and faith says, I want to choose that which is lasting. I want the future reward. Some of you may be struggling with some act of obedience this morning, whatever it may be. What the Lord wants you to do is to believe by faith that stepping out and doing what is hard but what is right always comes with a better reward. That's faith. That's following Jesus. I mean, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And some of you, listen, some of you will be asked, like Moses, to do some big things, like some hard things, to, to sell a business, to to give something crazy, to, to go somewhere you never thought you would go, to leave a job, to whatever it is, to make a, have a hard conversation. Some of you will be asked to do some really big things, but listen, most of the time, this works out in daily decisions. A decision to wake up early and spend time with Jesus. A decision to say no to sin. Why? Because you believe Jesus is better. A decision to open your mouth and share the gospel. A decision to have a hard conversation. It's just these little decisions. And walking with Jesus is making those little decisions every day because you believe Jesus is better. And when you do that, Jesus gets the glory. You get the reward. Jesus gets the glory because what you're saying is this, I believe that Jesus is worthy. And I believe that Jesus is better. Why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense because Jesus is better. Why would you go there? Because Jesus is better. Why would you sell that? Because Jesus is better. And so the testimony of your life is this, Jesus is better. Because he is, and that's the choice that faith always makes. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.